Good morning, church family. So good to see you this Lord's Day. For those of you online, we welcome you this morning as well. Uh, Glad to uh, let you know today that all of our technical problems from last week are resolved so we can enjoy an online and in-person experience together, and we're thankful to the Lord for that. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Acts chapter 1. There's certainly a Bible in front of you. If you didn't bring one today, feel free to use your phone or tablet. Um, But we're going to be taking a peek at Acts chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 11 and hang out in verses 6 through 11 today. Uh, Before we read that, I want to pray us in and invite the Spirit of God to teach us today. So please pray with me. God, thanks for your word. As we take time this morning to spend time in it, uh, Holy Spirit, reveal to us uh, the truth and the reality of the power that each one of us who belong to you has within us. That through your power, we're called to be witnesses in the world of the reality of the resurrected Jesus Christ and the difference he can make to all. I pray that you'll lead us in our time now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, if you were with us last week, You know that we began a new series in the book of Acts, and we're going to see this one through. It's going to be a while. We're going to have little breaks here and there, which is going to be good for us. Uh, But we're going to go slowly and methodically through the book of Acts as we take in all that God has for us to encourage us to be the church that God is calling us to be. 
Most of us know the book of Acts to be called the Acts of the Apostles. Last week, I told you that maybe a more appropriate title for this book is the Acts of the Holy Spirit that are done on earth through followers of Jesus Christ. Probably wasn't called that because that's a lot longer title, right? But one of the things we recognize and realize is that the ministry and the message of Jesus Christ continues on earth, even though Jesus is alive but not here, through you and me as followers of Jesus, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in the world, to testify to the truth and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in this text today, we're going to discover a few things about us as Christians. Number one, that the Christian life has a purpose, and that every Christian is commanded, not encouraged, commanded to be a participant in the mission of God in this world, and that mission is to make Jesus known to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to ask you a question that I want you to sit on this morning by way of evaluating your own personal life in light of the instruction we will receive from God's Word today. And this is the question. Are you fulfilling, you, don't think about anybody else, just you, are you fulfilling your God-given purpose as a Christian by faithfully being a witness of the gospel to the world? Are you? What I didn't ask you is if you're ready to go to China to be a missionary. I asked you if you're faithfully being a witness of the gospel in this world. See, God can and he will do amazing things through ordinary people like you and me who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's in the book of Acts that, that we learn of the Holy Spirit that is given to or poured out on all believers at Pentecost. And it was then that the church of Jesus Christ was born. It's there that we recognize, and we'll be there in a few weeks, but we recognize that the church becomes God's chosen instrument, his tool upon which the world will know about Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings to you and to me. Today, the church empowered by the Holy Spirit is called to continue God's redeeming work in the world by, by truly fulfilling this mission of making Jesus known, beginning in our homes and extending to the uttermost parts of the world. And when we do this, both people and the world around us will experience life change and true transformation. See, Jesus didn't come to establish his literal kingdom here on earth where he would rule and reign from earth. No, he came to establish a spiritual kingdom upon which he could set up his kingdom within our hearts and our lives so that his authority could become the thing that we submit to. And when we do that, the world gets flipped upside down because the, the kingdom principles and values get lived out through our lives, which were, they're, they're in direct opposition or contrast to the way of the world. 
where the world says it's all about you, Jesus says, no, the only thing I want you to do is give yourself for the other. I want you to give yourself away for the mission of the church. I defined the church for you last week. It's a really long definition. It's all encompassing. I'm going to give it to you again today, and in a few weeks, we'll put it up there so you can write it down. But listen to the definition of what the church really is, who it is. The church is the people of God, indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, who are gifted and equipped to live as the family of God, that are called to fulfill the mission of God by proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ in and all throughout the world, through our words and our actions, while being committed to live in obedience to the Word of God. That's who the church is. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're part of that family. And you've been given that mission. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren opens with these words. I love these words. That's why I'm sharing them with you. Ready? It's not about you. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose, and you were born for his purpose. Today, I want you to consider three priorities of the Christian life that will help you fulfill your purpose and that will help you accomplish the mission of God for your life. And these are the priorities. I'm going to give them to you right now, and then we'll go through them one by one. But the first, the Christian's purpose is fulfilled by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. The Christian's purpose is fulfilled by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The second one, the Christian's purpose is fulfilled by participating in the mission of God for us. And lastly, the Christian's purpose is fulfilled by remaining on mission until Jesus Christ returns. Now we pick up in verse 6 and 7. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Why would the disciples ask this question at this time? Remember Jesus, he died, he rose again three days later. He spent 40 days with his disciples and the apostles teaching them about the kingdom of God before he ascended to heaven? And here we have the question posed as he's talking about the kingdom by the disciples, is it now? 
that you're going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus' response is, no, it's not now. You see, Jews lived with the great anticipation and expectation that their Messiah would come to restore the nation of Israel, literally, to its glory days of when King David ruled over the nation. See, they anticipated that the Messiah would come to, to establish his political power, to establish his military might, and to build a literal kingdom on earth upon which Jesus will rule and reign as king and king of kings and lord of lords and, and where he would take control of the nations through his presence. This is what every Jew longed for and desired their Messiah to usher in. So it shouldn't be any surprise that they would ask this question. But to their surprise, Jesus says, I didn't come to establish their earthly kingdom yet. I came to establish my spiritual kingdom upon which I want to be the king of your life and rule over your heart and be the one that you submit to my authority. The literal earthly kingdom that the Jews long awaited for and anticipated is yet to come. It's not here yet. See, that will come when the, when the Lord returns and, and we can get excited about that and we should because one day Jesus will return and he will establish a kingdom on earth and he will rule and reign from earth for a thousand years. But they weren't aware of that now. They didn't know that yet. It hadn't been revealed to them. But that is yet to come. Essentially, what, what Jesus is saying here, li li listen to this, he doesn't rebuke them. Well, when is it, is it now that you're going to establish the kingdom? He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. You know what Jesus is saying? It's none of your business when that's going to happen. You know what else he's saying? But since you're so interested in what God's business is, let me tell you. Don't be all consumed with the return of Jesus, though you should be excited about it. Let me tell you what you should be consumed with. He goes on to say in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, they were so consumed with expectation of the earthly kingdom being established that they weren't able to be mindful of the kingdom of God that Jesus was teaching them about. Let me ask you a question. What kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom really are you consumed with? Are you living to build your kingdom here? Is this life all about you and what you can accomplish and what you can build and what you can do? Are you preoccupied by that so much that God can't use you as a witness? 
Or are you willing to submit it all, give it all away? Maybe literally God will ask you to do that, but not really all of us. We have to die to it all. That's true. But are you willing to die to it all so that you can participate in building the kingdom of God here? See, a Christian's purpose, point number one, is fulfilled by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. We can't do this on our own. We need Jesus. Acts 1.8, it provides for us really a general outline and a summary of the book of Acts. And if we were to summarize the book of Acts in one sentence, this is it right here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This really is a summary of the entire book of Acts and what we're going to be spending time looking at, studying, and revealing to us both by way of prescription and description of the outpouring and working of the Spirit of God in this world as he manifests himself in us followers of Jesus to make himself known to the whole entire world so that the world can be saved. That's what the book of Acts is truly all about. This command that Jesus gives us in chapter 1, verse 8, is best known as what we would call the Great Commission. You've heard of that, right? And a lot of times we refer to Matthew 28 as being the, the verse of the Great Commission, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But equally, this is a Great Commission command. And when you put the Great Commission with the Great Commandment to love God and to love others, the full mission of God comes into focus for our lives as Christians. Our lives take on new purpose and meaning and, and understanding. And the way we express that here at Alexandria Covenant Church is that we are a church committed to loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, so that we can share Jesus with the world. You've heard that numerous times. That's the mission of this church, to love Jesus, become like Jesus, and to share Jesus with the world. Now, I imagine many of you use Google Maps. I use it. I like it. It works well. Maybe you have your own way to get around. That's fine. But when you go to Google Maps and you put your starting point and your destination, one of the things I like to do with Google Maps is well, blow up. I said blow up. That doesn't mean like it goes away, but you, you get it, right? So I blow it up and I look at my starting point and, and I get an aerial view of where I am and I get context and, and familiarity. And then I go to my destination and I blow it up so I can see where I'm going and how I'm going to get there and what, what's all around me. It's very helpful to get to where I'm going. And, and I don't know about you, but that orientation for me in traveling is really important to get to my destination. And I got to believe that when we study the Bible, it's helpful for us to sometimes blow things up and get an aerial view of where we're at so that we can understand where we're going. And honestly, that's what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 does for us. It not only gives us a summary of the entire book of Acts and what it's about, 
but it also gives us an outline, a general outline for how the book of Acts is structured. The book of Acts is is about the beginning of the advancement of the gospel through spirit-empowered witnesses. Starting in Jerusalem, chapters 1 through 7, we're going to hang out in Jerusalem. And then we go to Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 through 12. And then beginning in chapter 13, we begin to go to the ends of the earth. By the time we get to the end of the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is hanging out in Rome. And then the letter closes abruptly. And I think the reason for that is because it's a good indication to us that the Spirit of God is still moving through His people, and the mission of God isn't accomplished by Paul's time in Rome, but it continues now to expand to the ends of the earth. So essentially, we could say the book of Acts continues even today, and you're part of it. You're just written in 2,000 years later. How exciting is that? See, here in verse 8, Jesus instructs his disciples on what their mission and priority ought to be, and that he will send them out into the world to accomplish what he's calling them to do, but not on their own, in their own power, or on their own strength. For he will do that for us by way of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. See, all Christian ministry, it depends on the power of the Spirit. In our lives, as we minister to others, and in the lives of those who receive the message of the gospel, it's all about the work of God that happens in us and through us, through the power of God and the presence of the Spirit of God. All we are are His tools, His vessels, His mouthpieces, His masterpieces his hands and his feet. When we talk about power, the Greek term for power here is dynamis, and it refers to one's ability or capacity. It suggests being able or being capable to do something. I want all of you to understand this, that if the Spirit of God is in you, you are able. If the Spirit of God is in you, you are capable to do all that God has in store for you to do. Everything he's asking you to do, you can do because he is the one who makes you able. See, the specific ability or capability in question, it truly does depend on our context. Let me give you an example. If we're to lift great weight, what is our ability? We need strength. If we're going to run a marathon, what is our ability? We need endurance and perseverance, don't we? See, the Lord's promise to us in this passage leaves the the dynamis or the word power in in the Greek as an indefinite form, which really means this, that whatever is required of you and of me, we will receive the power to do whatever God asks. It's incredible, isn't it? That is absolutely incredible. So let me ask you this question. Where do you turn to receive your power? Are you plugged into the power source? Remember the illustration of that sermon? If we plug into ourselves, we're running 
on a dead-end road. But when we plug into the power of God, we can do anything and everything that He asks of us. What kind of power are you pursuing? We pursue power through all kinds of means in this world, thinking that it will accomplish something for us, like a career. We pursue money and position. We pursue degrees and status. We try to build an identity that we're convinced that through the power of our identity, we can become something special. Problem with that is, is, no, you can't. If your identity isn't found in Christ, you have no power at all. See, my boldness and yours to talk to people about Jesus doesn't come from any power that we gain on our own or can manufacture. It comes from God and God alone. To say that the Great Commission to go into the world and to make disciples is a great idea, but is reserved for others to do. is to be a Christian who lives in disobedience to Jesus Christ and one who denies the power of the Spirit that is in you. You might say, but God didn't call me to be a missionary. That might be true, but he commanded you to be a witness. See, a Christian's purpose is fulfilled, secondly, by participating in the mission of God for us. Verse 8, why? Why did God give us power? The power given to us is so that we can be a witness for Jesus Christ in the ministry of advancing the gospel. Now, witness, the term for witness is martis in the Greek, which is derived from the English term martyr, although back then it didn't have a strong religious connotation. One commentary I was looking at says that first century Greek writers understood martis as a legal term describing one who testified in court about something he or she had personally seen. The meaning of the English word martyr which is what witness is, came to be as a result of people, Christians, who were willing to die for what they believed, who were willing to die for what they were witnessing to, who were willing to die for the message that they came proclaiming, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he can give you life like he has given me life. And when he does, he will not only change your life, but transform your world. Christians are dying for this message all over the world today. And it may be at some point in time that God's going to ask you to die for him in bringing this message to the lost. Are you willing? Let me remind you that our ability, our capability to be a witness to the gospel in the world It comes not from our own strength or our own doing, but from the power of God that lives in each believer and is living through each believer. And this happens through both the proclamation of the words that we speak 
And the deeds are the actions that we do every day. Being a witness begins with those closest to us. God might not be calling you to go to China to be a missionary. That's okay. But his call on your life as a Christian is to be a witness in your home first. And to your neighbor next. And in your community. Don't disqualify yourself from this command on your life because you think, well, yeah, that missionary work, that's for those who God calls to go other places. No, the work of the witness of the gospel is commanded to you and to me beginning where we are now. True, he calls some to go to China, and I praise God for those that he does. But I also praise God for the abundance of witnesses he places in our own community and in our homes. And you know who that is? That's you and me. I want to remind you, several months ago, we went through a series called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, and it was an acronym for how we could be a witness in the world through everyday, ordinary actions of our lives. Do you remember what BLESS stands for? Good, I'm going to tell you again. B stands for begin with prayer. If we're going to be a witness to those around us, remember the power to witness comes from God. And the power of God in the life of those who are being witnessed to needs to be poured out on them. And so therefore we begin with prayer. We take time then to listen with care. That's L. We take time to invest into people's lives and to to hear their story, to listen to them, to understand their starting point so we can point them to Jesus. And then there's E, experiencing life together. We make a commitment to do life together, not on our own, but with others who don't know Christ so they can come to know Christ through us. And then there's the S, serve with love. God's given people to you that have needs all around you and all he's asking you to do is meet them. Guess who your neighbor is? Anyone who has a need, whose need you can meet. And then the final S is to share your story for God's glory. B-L-E-S-S, begin with prayer, live with care, experience life together, serve with love, and share your story for God's glory. It really is that simple. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. It begins in our home. Thirdly, a Christian's purpose is fulfilled by remaining on mission until Jesus returns. Verses 9, 10, and 11 say, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were watching, they, they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him, he was rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So how long are we to be on mission for Jesus? Till the day he returns. You realize the ascension of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again three days later, he hung out for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. God the Father took him to heaven to be with him at his right hand, and he now lives as, as demonstrating authority and building his kingdom on earth through us. That's what Jesus is doing right now. His message and his ministry continues through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But the ascension of Jesus is critical to the fulfillment of the mission of God. Why? Because God said this, Jesus said, unless I go, you won't have the power to fulfill the mission. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, but in fact, it is best for you that I do go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. The advocate is the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus in you and in me. And Jesus is telling us that we will be, think about this, that we will be able to do more than he could accomplish on earth if he stayed as long as he could go and send the Spirit to us. Wow. Imagine. If he retained all the power and didn't share that, see how he's multiplying his presence in the world and accomplishing his mission by distributing his power to you and to me. See, Jesus told us he would never leave us alone and that we would only be able to fulfill the mission of God through the promise of God and sending us the Spirit of God, which quite literally, as I said, is Jesus in you and Jesus in me. Essentially, this is what Jesus is saying to us. Church, I want you to know I established you because I can do more by living in you and through you than I could ever accomplish in this world by staying physically present with you. That's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. Now the Holy Spirit will remain in us and with us until when? It's the text say, till the Lord returns. Until the Lord returns. And, and what does Luke say about this? He says that Jesus will return the same way that he ascended. He ascended to heaven in a cloud from the Mount of Olives, upon which he will return the very same way. So what do we do until then? We remain on mission. It's that simple. But when is this going to happen? We don't know. But I'll tell you what the Bible says. Soon. How's that? Soon. It tells us a little bit more, too. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So what is the Lord waiting for? The last one who needs to hear the gospel. And how are they going to hear the gospel? Through you and through me. We are his witnesses. John Piper, in a written response to a question regarding the timing of the Lord's return, now let me just say this. We aren't all going to agree on the Lord's return, when it is, what it's going to be like. But what we fundamentally have to agree on is that he will return. Listen to what Piper says in response to this. The most important thing that all of us who love Christ, love his mission, love the cross, love the gospel, and love his second coming can agree on is... He doesn't formulate any 
great wording. He refers to Acts 1, 7, and 8. This is what we can agree on. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed for His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He goes on to say, so let's seek that power now, and let's finish that mission. The implication, when the mission is done, the Lord will return. I get as excited as anybody to talk about the Lord's return. I want you to know that. But I also get excited about being on mission for Jesus. And I hope you do too. You see, a Christian's purpose is revealed through the word of God. That's why we spend time in the word each week. Accomplished through the power of God, the Holy Spirit in you and me, and fulfilled through our witness of the gospel to the world. Let me remind you, a Christian's purpose is fulfilled. When? By relying on the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, by participating in the mission of God for us, and by remaining on mission until Jesus returns. It is that simple. As you have evaluated your life and your witness and advancing the gospel and fulfilling the mission of God for you in our time together, if you've concluded that you've been failing, I don't want you to look back and live in a state of paralyzation, of realizing I have failed on mission. I want you to ask God for forgiveness and look ahead and get going on being a witness for Jesus. You don't have to go to China to do this. It's got to start in your home. For those of you who are on mission for Jesus and you're being faithful, continue in it. Don't get off track. Continue to be a witness for Christ, relying on the power of the Spirit in you. And as a church, we can make a difference in this world as we bring the gospel to people and let it change lives and transform the world around us. That's what the good news is all about. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the clear instruction of purpose, command of mission, Go into the world and to be a witness, telling people everywhere about Jesus. Help us as a church to be faithful in loving you, Jesus, and becoming like you and sharing you with the world. In Christ's name, amen.